so we have we have nine games left. Is that right? Nine. That seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. Well, there's five games in the last week, two back to backs, and there's four this week. So yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. Oof. That's how you get to nine. The old <laughs> four plus five. That's how they get you. Yeah. So uh, just prepare to. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch beautiful goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to The Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 525, coming to you from Boise, Idaho. I am your host this week, John Harper, a.k.a. The Enforcer. Uh, this show, we are going to discuss the upcoming playoffs and uh, maybe do a couple of Googles for you to catch up so uh, we don't run out next month. <laughs> That's right. Joining me is just one of our analysts hailing from Indianapolis, Indiana. It is the bartender mixing up the, cre- the drinks, which I have had too many of apparently, and the crappy jingles. Jonathan Colson, what's happening? What is up, Pacer Nation? What's up, Harper? I think you haven't had enough drinks. I think that's, that's probably, probably the problem. Yeah. It feels very unnatural to be podcasting so early in the day. I was just looking this uh, at this uh, at the Pacers uh, for the 500th episode. We talked about uh, that year that we had all those injuries and we had like 12 guys score at least uh, seven points a game. Yeah, uh, we're doing something similar this year. Um, Sabonis Brogdon, Lavert Turner, Justin Holiday, um, McConnell, McDermott, Brissett, Lamb, Holiday, and Sumner. Uh, and if you want to throw in uh, T.J. Warren's four games and Victor Oladipo's nine, uh, that's a lot of guys. That Again, is a lot of guys. A lot of contributions from a lot of places. So, uh, shout out to the team chemistry and all the guys contributing. Now we all we have to do is play some defense and rebound the basketball, and we should be able to just tear through the end of this season. Well, here. those are the easiest things, right? That's right. That's that's the hustle and effort stuff. We can make that happen. Oh, yeah. super easy. <clears throat> Every NBA beats. team is super good at defense and rebounding. That's <laughs> what the modern NBA is all about. <laughs> just a reminder. If you would like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash the undebeatables and pledge um, a small or larger monthly donation. Uh, You can do an amount as small as a dollar. certainly does help us out, and we appreciate all of you who have already done so. All right, Mr. Colson, the playoffs are looming. Nine games left in the regular season. After we sweep those, what does your playoff picture look like? (laughs) Um, <clears throat> I don't expect to sweep them, Harper. I'm sorry to, to tell you. Yeah, 
it, uh, it gets a little difficult. Uh, We're in the, the ninth seed. There's nine games left. I mean, there's some sort of like Dan some Brown sort of synergy. Yeah, math here that uh, is going to make this true. Nines are wild. Well, you know, we could look at this and say that that 152 point game is sort of a a, a launching pad, a sort mm-hmm, of a, a mm-hmm. yeah that, that this is that something uh, rattled free, broke free. And we're now just going to be a team that scores between 130 and 160 points every night. Yeah. We've just unlocked the NBA. Yeah. So I think we, if that's the case, then maybe we could sweep out. But yeah. uh, more realistically, based on the way we've played all season, um, we have to play the Wizards twice. Um, we have to play the Sixers and the Bucks and the Lakers. Um, all of those... <laughs> All these of guys? those games sound tough. Uh, also, the Atlanta Hawks are uh, better than us in the in the uh, record books. Uh, what we've learned is that this team's pretty good at beating bad teams. So I'm hoping we can pick up a, a win against the Sacramento Kings, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Raptors. Uh, that's just three wins, uh, and that's just hoping we can win those. And then if we could split with the Wizards, we can reasonably say we're going to win about four more games. If, if we don't beat the Cavaliers, then... I'm just going to assume that we've gone into some weird tank mode beyond what we've talked about that I don't understand. <laughs> so there's some like extra math going on behind the scenes Absolutely. that you don't get. Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, you just go around losing to the Cavaliers. Right, right. Um, so we currently, as of recording, so by the time you hear this, it'll be a little bit different. This is a very important week for the Pacers playing the Wizards twice. We currently have a game and a half lead on the Wizards. They are in the 10th spot. Pacers are in the 9th spot. The Charlotte Hornets are in the eighth spot, and we're only a game behind them. And then the Heat and the Celtics are tied uh, for the six, seven spot, and we are three and a half games <clears throat> away from that, so we're not technically out of that one. Um, the, we are uh, four and a half games above the Bulls, so not technically out of falling out of the playoffs. No, but... Chicago or Toronto would really have to turn on the Jets and yes. need quite a bit of help to overtake either Washington or Indiana at this point. Uh, yes. The odds of um, either of those teams making the playoffs at this point are sub 5%. Uh, okay. So so it looks like we're probably top locked Top 10 looks in. pretty well locked in. Yeah. There's a 95% like- chance we know who those teams are, more or less. Okay, okay. Well, uh, we still can do some positioning within this. Um, we can uh, fall to the 10th or get to the 8th fairly easily, depending on how we play down the stretch here. Uh, making the 6th or 7th seed uh, would be pretty miraculous based on how we've been playing and the, the rest of our schedule. Yeah, that would be unexpected. <laughs> um, so just a reminder uh, to the fans out there, uh, there's a play-in tournament this year. That's why we're talking about the ninth and 10th seed. So normally the top eight teams go to the playoffs. Uh, this year they've added a wrinkle. It's actually just a one-year wrinkle. Um, they 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 messed around with it a little bit during the bubble, but this is kind of a new um, way that they're handling this. So um, at the end of the season, the seventh and the eighth seed will play a one playoff game. Whoever wins that will get the seventh seed. And whoever loses it will have to play the winner of the 9-10. The 9-10 play each other. And whoever wins that gets to play the eight seed. And whoever wins that one game tournament gets the eight seed. So in essence, if you're a seventh or eighth seed, you have two chances to make the playoffs. Uh, to, to, um, you can lose yeah. two once. games, it's either the, of which will guarantee you a spot. 
Yes, yes. Um, but if you are in the ninth or tenth spot, you have to win the, both the games you play to make the eight seed. Um, so, Perfectly simple. What's the problem? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so are those those are going to be considered playoff games and not regular season games? I'm just yes. wondering from an accounting perspective. You know, that's what I bring yes. to the show. Right. They will be playoff games. Uh, however, I wonder uh, how that'll be categorized in playoff history. You know, I mean, I. You know, if if a guy has a, a sixty point game and a play in game, does he go down in you know history? Probably. Um, I don't know. Um, the, the but the other interesting part about this is that if you uh, do end up with the ninth or tenth seed, you actually still go into the lottery, even though you got to participate in the playoffs. Um, if you don't make the actual playoffs, if you lose the play in tournaments, you're you're then kicked into the lottery. So this will be happening in the Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. Um, currently out west, I've got Portland in the seventh seed, Grizzlies in the eighth seed, the Warriors in the ninth seed, and the Spurs in the tenth seed. Um, doesn't look like the Pelicans are going to be able to mount a rally here and, and make it into the uh, their three games back. And outside that, nobody's really got a shot. In oh, fact, the Thunder have already surprising. been mathematically uh, eliminated. So, little surprising the Pelicans couldn't get it together this year. Yeah, I am. I think that they should be uh, upset at themselves since they have an incredibly talented uh, young player in Zion who's been like shooting sixty percent from the floor. Yeah, um, and Ingram and, and, and Lonzo Ingram Ball. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, they've had some injuries. You know, Adams is out. Nikhil Alexander Walker is out. But this is the NBA, man. You got to go out and perform, right? And they have the they got the horses in the stable. That that that's a surprising outcome for me. Do you think they'd uh, like to have Drew Holiday back, who's killing it in Milwaukee? Right I mean, now? <laughs> at the moment, it certainly seems like it. But uh, you know, it is such an exciting core group of guys, and uh, I mean, they're very familiar with uh, Drew's injury woes over the years. So. Uh, no guarantee that if he was down there, he'd be playing either. So. <laughs> sure, and he's on a, a different timeline than this young Pelicans team. So yeah, very much so. I get it, but I man, I think they'd well. probably they'd probably be in the playoffs if he was on their team still. Is all I could. Sure, could have used them. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I guess for the, from the Pacers' perspective, if we can uh, beat the Wizards uh, at least once, um, that would uh, give us continue. It, you know. If we split this uh, season series with them uh, here at the end, that would keep us at that one-and-a-half game lead, and then it would just be based on, on the rest of the record, uh, and they're playing better than we are right now. Um, if we lose both of these games, uh, it's almost going to be impossible for us to catch the Wizards, particularly how they're playing, and they'll get the ninth seed. Uh, and it is still possible to, uh, to catch the eighth seed, which is the ideal situation. Um, because then even if you lose the first game in the 7-8 seed, you get to play again. You have two chances to, um, to not be eliminated. That's kind of the best-case scenario. Um, you'd yeah. be playing on the road in the first series, but then you'd get to play at home in the second uh, series. I mean, that would be certainly be good. Uh, you know, also, you ideally want to be playing Charlotte because they're without Gordon Hayward. Uh, Devonic Graham is currently day to day, and Lamelo just came back, I think, from from injury. Right? 
Yes, he just came back. So yeah. that that probably is a team that you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't mind seeing early in the playoff set. They also don't have a ton of experience in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. So that that would be a heck of a good draw, one that you didn't think maybe was going to be on the table for the playoffs this year. Right. Well, so go. if we, um, if you're in the eight nine, you're going to have to play the Wizards at some point, right? Unless they get all the way up to seven. So. If, well, let's no, say if, we, if you're if you're eight, the Wizards could get knocked out before you see them. That is true. That is true. The and in Hornets that scenario, you would see the Hornets in the next. I would game. like that. I would like that very much. You would like that very much Wizards. indeed. Yeah. I mean, yes. if if you can't pull it out and you know beat Miami in the playing game and, and secure the seventh seed, which I, I don't I don't know if you already have feelings about whether you'd rather be rocking Philly or Brooklyn. Probably putting the car a little bit ahead of the horse here. Since <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not convinced we're going to make the play-in tournament. <laughs> but even I if you do I, lose to Miami, which we've played well against, like we've got a real shot at sneaking up to the seven seed if we sure. can just you know tie some games together here. I you know there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to beat Miami in a one-game plan. Or well, and also the Celtics too. I mean, we could end up playing them. They could end up falling to the seven seed, and I'm I, I'm not afraid of playing the Celtics in a one-game play-in. I mean, a you should be b. <laughs> Statistically, I, 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 you know, they're tied with Miami currently, um, and you know, well, the, Atlanta's the only got a half game too. on them, yeah. and yeah. then you know, New York's only got a game and a half. It seems like they should be fall. It seems like they should have started falling apart weeks ago, but they're currently nine and one in their last ten. I don't know what's going on in New York, but those Wheaties, boy. yeah, they are they are being very well coached right now uh, by Thibodeau and. Uh, Julius Randle is having an MVP-type season. Um, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're hitting their three-pointers. So, you know, I, I don't think – I don't see them falling out of the four the way they're playing right now. No. And, I you know, at, Atlanta is playing 500 ball, which is about all it takes for them. Boston and Miami may shuffle back and forth, but you got to give the edge there to Boston. They've just, uh, you know – the way that Tatum is playing, I think he dropped sixty the other night, supplanting Larry Bird's record with the franchise. I mean, oh wow, yeah, okay, that 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 team pretty good, and they got a great coach. Um, you know, and Miami on the other hand has maybe started to feel the, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler fatigue that will set in after you play with them long enough. Um, well, you know, the reason I mentioned the Celtics is because I've I've watched them play a few times this year, and they just kind of remind me uh, of the Pacers. Um, it just seems like there's something not quite right. They don't, you know, it seems like they've got more talent than wins. And um, and I'm not quite sure what's missing there, but that, that's how I feel about the Pacers. Too. Maybe it, it's because for them it ain't the playoffs. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. They're just trying to get into I don't think that's dance. our problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, we, we have a chance to play the Hawks, so we could beat them. That would gain a whole game on them. Um, you know, um, again, yeah, we can and, do ourselves some favors them. here. Yeah, they always say win every game you play, and you and you and, and you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> but but uh, that's accurate. You know, yeah, winning both those Wizards games and that Hawks game would uh, go a long way to uh, positioning us. Because I really would. I mean, you know, you're right. It's we're kind of we're kind of get we're gonna be where we're gonna be. Um, we're gonna be in this playing turn up tournament. Um, we can't we drop play out at of least it. We one can't. game for sure. Yeah, so it'd be nice to get that seventh or eighth seed and give ourselves two games and see what we can do. Um, and then, yeah, do I want to play Philly or the Nets? I'd rather play Philly because the Nets are cheating. 
Uh, the I mean, the Nets do uh, appear to just be cheating. I mean, Philly's tough, but I mean, they're just they're they're not as deep. I mean, I I don't know what you do against a team that's got a healthy Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on the court at the same time, yeah. playing with any sort of chemistry at all. I mean, yeah, that that that's the best three dudes to ever be on a court together, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's putting a that's putting Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James to shame. Yeah, and that's saying something, right? So, I mean, I, you know, you feel like with Philly, it's at least a basketball team and not a cheat code, and like you know, maybe you could play with them. You know, if you figure out how to take Embiid out or slow him down, you know, they're a beatable team. Cool, cool. So just slow down an MVP-type candidate, uh, mm-hmm. play offense through a guy who thinks he's the DPOY and Ben Simmons, and uh, slow down that three-point shoot. No problem, no problem. I, think, no, I mean, uh, it's not going to be easy, but when we score only won 42 to games this year. Who are these guys? So entitled. <laughs> they haven't won anything yet, Harper. Exactly. So, I, I yeah, um, I'm. Uh, I just really would like uh, – I would like a, a more than just a one game and out playoffs because playoffs are my favorite thing. Uh, but again, this planned tournament makes it a little bit more exciting because if if uh, you know if this didn't exist, we'd already be fretting about being on the outside looking in. I mean, at this point, uh, an Indiana basketball team winning a game in a best of seven set would be like an upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So we could yeah. steal a game from Philly. Yeah, I mean, that that'd be, be really yeah. excellent. Like obviously yeah. just getting to the playoffs and, and, you know, as you guys discussed last week and we've said many times before, you know, playoff experience matters and, you know, whatever burn we can get these guys in the playoffs, it plays dividends. Right. Um, yeah. But it, we certainly got our work cut out for us. We have not made our jobs easy um, as we have also given up our uh, chance at, Securing a, ho- a winning home court record this season, um, yeah. that ain't happening for us. Uh, if we had, you know, at least been able to get a 500 record at home, uh, we'd be right in the middle of the playoff picture right now. For sure. Yeah. We've lost 18 games at home. Uh, That's Yeah, 19. 19, yeah. Goodness. Yeah, you... Uh, Give us just five or six more of those. Yeah, you're talking about being in the four seed. Yeah, exactly. And that's why yeah. home court matter. Uh, you know, defending your home court during the regular season matters, right? I mean, yeah. Most years we look at a road playoff record and we say, you know, that the teams with the high winning percentage on the road are going to be solid playoff teams. So we're sitting at 19 and 14. You're thinking, you know, they could be a formidable team, but we've been so poor at home. I mean, it's just hard to imagine that we're going to do our job and protect an home court. <laughs> in a seven-game sets against the likes of Philly or Brooklyn. Right. And But what's nice about this is that it doesn't really matter if we get home court in the play-in tournament. In fact, maybe we'd want to be on the road. Sure. <laughs> Tell that to the Simons. They're looking for some gate money, buddy. That's true. That is true. <laughs> well, it should be an exciting end of the season. There's certainly a lot to be, you know – unscrambled on in both conferences so we should see some really good basketball getting tuned up here uh as we head in what do you think about the new format just personal impressions i i need to see it i mean like i said i think it 
has more fan bases excited, right? Like, I mean, we're still talking about the playoffs. We're going to get to see a playoff game, even if we end up in the ninth or 10th seed. Um, you've still got fan bases like, you know, uh, the Pelicans being like, hey, we could still make a play in. So that's an, even another franchise, even not in the top 10, that's still caring about it. So I think it's I think it's fine. I You know, I don't know what the the games will actually look like. It, it might feel like the, you know, NCAA tournament, sort of a one-and-done thing, and that could be really exciting as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro it right now. I'm mean, having not seen it. Uh, but I think for the whole season it's been fine. I, I understand, you know, I think Mark Cuban and, and uh, Luka Dantich got all upset because, yeah. you know, um, they're like, you know, we might have ended up in the seventh seed. We've played our butts off, and then we, you know, it can all be taken away in two games. So. Yeah. Um, and I get that. I think Doncic's quote was essentially, you know, we play 72 games to get in, and then it can all be undone by a two-game skid, right? Yeah. Um, now, I get it. <laughs> but you had 72 games to be better. The format is not a surprise, right? I mean, right. this is what right. it was always going to be this year. Uh, you knew that going in. Um, so it's your job to stay out of the seven seed, first off. Uh, second off... Um, win that game and then third of all like what are the chances of a seven seed coming out of either conference they're not they're not good anyway so right who cares right like (laughs) sure no one cares what you think (laughs) from the seven seed uh they're currently at the five seed but only a game out of the seven seed and four games out of the eight seed so they could definitely still drop I, they could, but I mean, they know what they have to do, and they likely won't because they're better than a lot of the teams below them. So, right, we'll see. So, but, do you like it as well? Then, are you uh, are you in on this? You're kind of telling Luca to shut up. So, yeah, I'm, oh, maybe I'm telling Mark Cuban to shut up. And, yeah, <laughs> that's more fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. Like I said, I just you know, the, the odds of a seven or eight seed. You know, coming out of either of these tournaments, the way that, you know, free agency and these teams are currently constructed uh, is, is just so far-fetched to me. Uh, that an extra game, either way, doesn't doesn't make much difference in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, if you really want to fix the NBA, do something about, you know, how the Nets and the Lakers got their teams constructed uh, and create right. more parity between, you know, small and large market teams. Uh, but obviously that's not going to happen. So, you know, let's just uh, pander to the small markets by giving them a, a playing game that they can talk about while the, you know, New York's and L.A.'s run roughshod over the league. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and then there's Utah. Uh, did you know uh, Phoenix is tied with Utah now, right? Did you see that? Uh, they're oh, no, half a game back. Half game back. Okay. Yeah. They've. I think they were maybe they were tied last night or two nights ago or whatever when I was checking it. Yeah, you're right. Half game back. Um, man, Phoenix looks good too. It's gonna be yeah. It. I think the the West is gonna be really fun. Um, as usual, the East is super top heavy, and it's gonna be the the Nets, Sixers, or Bucks coming out of there, but uh, the Western Conference is going to be far more interesting in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, I'm not real sure what to expect out of Phoenix in the playoffs. Unfortunately, in the case of the Clippers, I'm pretty sure what to expect from them in the playoffs. 
Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think the West is quite as competitive as it looks on paper. Um, mm. Certainly Utah has done a heck of a job building that team up uh, and deserve a ton of credit, especially, you know, as stated with the way the league is currently constructed to be able to do it without, you know, big splashy free agent signings. Um, right. But are they, is that team good enough at this point to take on, uh, you know, the LA Lakers or the Denver Nuggets? That's, that's a pretty darn tall task. I, I, I would be certainly very excited to see a rematch of Denver and Utah this year. So yeah. that's mostly what I have my hopes pinned on. That's the, okay. that's the match that I would like to see again, boy. That was too much fun. Right. But we shall see. We shall. Uh, and we will see very soon. I mean, this is happening before we know it. So the play-in tournament is what the 18th through the 20th. Oh, you nope, know, you're right. 18th, uh, 18th to 21st. Yeah, 21st, and then the playoffs begin the 22nd. That's correct. So plenty of rest if you're in that play-in, <laughs> in that play-in tournament. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, hell, we'll just be we're just a couple weeks away. All right, sounds good. Um, Mr. Colson, it's time for an Googleable. We doing under Google Bulls? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. So. <laughs> he said we, we, we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Fantastic. Um, this is the everybody's favorite podcast, lighting the internet on fire. Um, the under Google Bulls, which you can subscribe to separately. Um, I recommend you do that. We we cut it out from this feed, so you don't have to put up with all the basketball nonsense, and you can just listen to us <laughs> talk about if other nonsense. Just here for the nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Check out the um, so that's uh, we're nearing our hundredth episode. That that's been going on for like two or three years. Are we really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it'll be because it's come out every week. So yeah, we're nearing two years of that coming out. So um, cool. Shout out to the undergoogleables, um, but uh, we need to we need to start beat yeah we need to beef up our uh, our uh, backlog, so we need to keep these up even though it's a two man. All right, I think we can still figure stuff out. We're pretty smart guys. Mm. <laughs> you are. I don't know. We'll see. That's why I mean the reason I usually ask these questions is because I can't figure them out without anybody else. So yeah. Um, all right, here's one I've got, and I've always wondered what it meant. Um, a basket case. Mm. What's a basket case? Is it a case that holds a basket? Is it a uh, jury trial? Is it a, is it a, um, what kind of case is it? Yeah, yeah. I feel like early on we had lots of, lots of guillotine references in our under Googleables. Is it a, is it a guillotine reference? Okay, sure. So it's going to be the the basket that catches the head. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just what they did with crazy people back then was just cut their heads off and move along. 
Okay, and so this is well. This is just a, a basket case. We're just gonna we're gonna have to just gonna have to cut the head off and put the basket there. Probably possessed by the devil. So let's separate the head from the body. So it's a situation in which we need to pull the basket out and catch the head. It's not bad. It's uh, not bad. Boy, now, it's not so, good. Well, so um, this is so. What is how how would you describe a basket case? Is it is just somebody sort of a. Uh, uh, not exactly fulfilling social norms. Yes, I would say um, b- beyond uh, general social protocols in a sort of irretrievable way, right? Like a okay. proven sort of recidivist breaker of social mores, right? Yeah. And uh, so we just got to, we have to do something with this basket case. Sure. And the implication, I would say, at least in modern dialect, uh, you know, would be that somebody's a little bit crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, if that's so, you're, so if if your theory is correct, we're talking about what medieval times, and we just we don't know how to deal with crazy people. We don't have a uh, French sanitarium or anything. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, just just cut their head off. Yeah. Because the other thing I was the other thing I was thinking is like. Um, like a trial, you know, like you're you're trying a case, um, but I can't figure out what the the basket is. Yeah, you need a real big basket of documents to. Yeah, something like that. We had a big old we, and I, I always think of like a wicker basket. I, I of course. What other kind of baskets <laughs> are there? <laughs> what other kind of baskets are there? There's laundry, plastic laundry baskets. I mean. There's tote bags. Look, NPR. <laughs> We're talking baskets. We're talking wicker. Okay, wicker basket. Big wicker basket full of all <laughs> the uh, the information about the crazy person. Yeah. Because we're, yeah, we're yeah. going to try to get them uh, off on um, insanity, the insanity plea. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a pretty distinctly American legal judgment, isn't it? I don't know that that existed prior to... I mean, didn't we have like sort of in like British Parliament we were doing sort of things like this and I mean I suspect that you would be hard pressed to make an argument for insanity any time prior to Freud. Okay. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah, it makes you sort of do think that it's more of a modern day thing. Even like, I'm wondering if if that's you know if we don't even go maybe it's even the '60s you know like I feel like uh, how many people were being able to plead sanity before the turn of the century plead insanity you know I mean up until World War One we were like castrating people and stuff that we thought were crazy like we didn't. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some send them send them to a sanatorium thing, but I, I don't know that that's the same as like finding them innocent. It's just locking them up in a different sort of institution, I guess. But I don't know that that was ever called, you know, an insanity plea per se. Yeah. Yeah. When are you? Yeah. When are you not putting crazy people in a sanitarium and you're just allowing people to walk free based on claiming insanity? <laughs> well, okay, and what about a sanitarium? Like, if is is there a sanatorium? 
sanatorium. Sanitarium. Not sanitary. It's sanatorium. Sanatorium. What about... Um, is there... Is there some old-timey, you know, situation in which we're putting <clears throat> people in mental institutions? Um, and that I'm trying to connect basket. Yeah, you, you, you're like giving them their like you put your clothes in a basket or something, or your yeah, personal belongings yeah. when you go in. I don't know. There's something. There's potentially something there. Yeah, it's like, oh well, this is a basket case. Yeah, like this is a. We got to get them into the place where they have baskets. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is a tough one. This is a, this is a good one. Uh, so what's so let's give a timeline and then and then you know our best guess is I like I like the uh, the chopping the head off of uh, somebody <laughs> I like the French Revolution. It's pretty solid. Uh, basket is feels like a French word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, 1700s. Okay, okay. France. And then our other one is... Uh, a more legal 19... founded term in like the late 1800s, early 1900s? Early 1900s, I think. Okay. Legal term. Okay. I like, I like, I like that second one pretty well. Okay. Let's All see right. what we got All here. All right. Ooh. First World War. Originally U.S. Oh. slang, denoting a soldier who had lost all four limbs and was thus unable to move independently. Well, thank you, Colson, for bringing so us our dark. most depressing, so undegoogleable of all time. Super easy oh to look God. up. Oh my God! Oh no! So if you right. if you just got if you were just completely blown apart. So let's see. According to grammar phobia, this may be a misattribution. Let's see what else we got here. Um, okay. The the first found usage, at least according to today I found it, is from the U.S. State Surgeon General in March of 1919. Um Surgeon General of the Army denies that there is any foundation for the stories that have been circulated of the existence of basket cases in our hospital. It, it appears that there were very few cases where anyone could survive. That I mean, can you imagine the, the state I, of medicine in the First World War surviving that kind of injury? Not good. Very, very slim chances. Yeah. Um, I saw one in January of 1919, but it certainly seems to be early 19. Early early 1900s, so we kind of nailed that. Okay, but why is it crazy then? So that's the next thing. So super interesting. So essentially, this came out of the idea of carrying around soldiers who had no limbs in baskets, which is a thing that never happened, <laughs> as near as we can tell, right? And so then we take this phrase that appears to come more or less out of nowhere, with no real grounding in anything. And then we just, it falls out of favor after World War II. In the mid-40s, basket cases used to refer to an ineffective or powerless person. From there, it comes to refer to a country or organization that's having severe economic difficulties. Starting in the 1950s, a basket case could be a vehicle that has missing parts or is in disrepair. 
around that same time, we start to see the use that most people are probably familiar with today, which is a person who's unable to cope for emotional reasons. Uh, this is according to Michigan Radio's NPR affiliate. So Ooh, that's probably fairly like that. solid. Yeah. Well, that's that, that takes quite a leap. It does. It comes... Uh, yeah. Uh, that's very weird. And real dark. <laughs> real dark! But you're right. It, it had so many different meanings in between. Yeah. And, like, it was all based out of, like, weird war rumor stuff. Very strange. Okay. Well, uh, we didn't... We nailed the time period... Uh, indeed we did, and, you know, thankfully, we didn't nail <laughs> where it came from. I would have been right. very disturbed if we'd have got that. If we'd nailed that yeah. one. You know what I think it means? It means carrying around somebody with oh, no arms and no legs <laughs> in a basket. Obviously. Although I did go straight to guillotining people, so it turned out to be much closer than I would have wanted. I've got one. I don't think we, I don't think we've done this before, but correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, what's a crapshoot? Oh, okay. Um, so the meaning is that it's just it's it's uh, this is um, we're taking a stab at this thing, right? It's just not really a good. This isn't going to work out, really. But we're is that is that how you understand it yeah although now that now that i'm saying it out loud what i'm guessing it probably comes from is the dice game craps okay so it's just like a it's a roll of chance yeah luck i i i was thinking in my mind it was like skeet shooting with crap back in the day and i had this wonderful (laughs) image in my head of people shooting like cow dung with okay. shotguns, and I really wanted sure. it to be that, but I'm pretty sure it's just rolling dice. Rolling dice, okay, sure, it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get, Yeah, sort of thing. Now, uh, can we figure out when crap started then? Uh, I'm going to guess that it was probably, like most types of gambling, an underground thing that probably existed in the lexicon before finally being written down in, uh, by Samuel Clemens or somebody, right? Riverboat gamblers okay. and such, don't you think? Okay. Okay. A little Mark Twain That's, action. I like that. Yeah. Um, Could certainly be it, later, but... Well, it feels kind of like a 20s thing, like, oh, man, that's a crapshoot. I know, it does, doesn't it? That, that was my impression of somebody from the 20s. <laughs> it was nailed Oh, it. man, that's a crapshoot. <laughs> I don't know why that's a person from the 20s. Um, but... And, and, you know, you could sort of... Th- sort of the underground gambling in Chicago sort of thing... But you're right. It's probably in the lexicon long before the uh, that guy said it in the 20s. Yeah, that guy with that particular accent who <laughs> oh, immortalized <man>. the term. <laughs> uh, all right. So that wasn't a very good one. This is what happens well, when you well, let me do anything on this show. <laughs> where, where are we? Let's see. Crapshoot uh, history. Let's see. <laughs> I don't know if this site's any good or not, but it's called Idiom Schmidium, so I like it a lot all of a sudden. It's my new favorite site. It's your new favorite site. Okay. The leg- legend has it that Roman soldiers invented the games of craps using knuckle bones of a pig as dice and their armor shields as a Dude. table. Others believe craps originated from an, 
Arabic dice game called Aldar, which means dice, and that merchants brought them over to Europe in the 12th century. Okay. Uh, and then it, they, they became, there was an English game called Hazard uh, that became extremely popular in France uh, in the 17th century. Um, it, because it required a little equipment, street cra- street craps <laughs> could be played in informal settings, like it might, like in my junior high bathroom, where they that's where they played exactly. craps. Yeah. Okay, uh, so uh, grammarist finally got us unlocked down here. Crapshoot is a new word. Earliest examples we can find are from the '60s, but it is not widely used until the '80s. Even today, it is still primarily an Americanism, though a few scattered examples are easily found in non-U.S. sources. The game is craps, not crap, yet the term is often spelled crapshoot, hyphenated, or two words, and is almost never spelled craps shoot. Right. The one word crapshoot helps us get around the spelling issue, which is probably a good point. That is a good point. So, very new and probably found in the lexicon previously. So, I think we more or less nailed that. We were a little early on when it came into right. the lexicon. Oh, man. It's crapshoot. <laughs> that's also your 80s guy, though. So, that works perfectly. Yeah. No, my 80s guys are like, oh, man, that's a crapshoot. Yeah, he didn't have enough cocaine in his system to be in the 80s. <laughs> that's true. Good call. Maybe that was my 90s grunge guy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, man, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> That's uh, that, see, that was interesting though. See, we did learn something. They're all good. It's it's the magic of the game. <laughs> it's I didn't. I, who knew that that was from the '60s? That phrase, and who knew that crap started in uh, uh, Arabia? Yeah, with pig knuckles. Right, or yeah, or in Rome. Yeah, exactly. Weird. <laughs> and been in Europe at least since the 12th century. So, <laughs> I got one more. Um, Dad asked this one. So uh, shout out to Pops Colson. Shout out. Uh, he said, uh, dead to rights. Mm. Dead to rights. He said, first of all, I need to know if it's R-I-T-E-S or whether it's R-I-G-H-T-S. So is it rights as in like religious or is it rights as in other things that rights can mean? Because right can mean a lot of things. Yeah. As in, as in correct or as in left or as in, you know. Yeah, virtuous or whatever. So, um, uh, so and then what? The, what the heck does it mean? Why is it? Why do we say it like that? Dead to rights. So, what's your, what's our what's our definition of a dead to rights? Um, I would say briefly that uh, you have got somebody. Uh, in uh, you are in an unassailably good position vis-a-vis someone else, right? So my 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 brain always goes to old west, and you've got the draw on them. You've got the drop. You've got them dead to rights. So do you think it is an old western term? I do. I think it has to do with something to do with bounties and gunfighters, and I think it's R I G H T S. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah, so so it keeps us out of the religious part. We're not dead. It's not like the uh, it's not like reading the the rights of the dead or anything. This is this is going to be um 
because that was one thing I was thinking. Like mm-hmm. it could be something, uh, you know, uh, at a funeral, sort of, you know, and that you could see how that would get transferred to like a a, a gun battle. He's got him dead to rights because he's basically going to put him in the grave, sure. sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, the last rites, uh, certainly a big deal. More in the Catholic Church, though, as opposed to yeah. the Protestant religion. For sure, um, for sure. If, if I thought it was, you know, an English turn of phrase, um, I would be more apt to go in that direction, perhaps. But you're feeling pretty Spanish. American on this. Yeah, I'm feeling Americanism. I so I, the other thing I was wondering if if it's if it's a, again like the basket case, whether this is a um, connected to to law, you know, because you know people have mm-hmm. rights. Um, in the old and, west, they had rights. You have to do the you have to do the bunny ears, <laughs> um, so that that you would, um, you know, because you're right. It's almost like you're 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 uh, you're caught dead to rights. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think of it like that way, like you're caught red-handed almost. Um, or I suppose yeah, you you've been outdrawn. I'm the enforcer, so I have people dead to rights. You have people dead to rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if it's like, could that be a a court term? Be like, hey, look, there, there's this person is, we got them. Yeah. But why would they be dead to rights? Because well, yeah. because we had like a no literal have... bounty system. Yeah. Okay. Right, and so the court passes a judgment. They give it to a sheriff or a marshal or somebody who's, you know, uh, tasked with going and collecting this fugitive, right? Who's presumably armed and dangerous. Uh, so murdering them is like a viable outcome. Be- because they're, they no longer, once the bounty's on their head, they don't have a right to live. I mean, not really, right? We're, we're kind that, of, that person we're kind has of a right to defend sentence. themselves from an armed and dangerous fugitive, right? Right. So in that, you know, fact pattern, yeah, then you could kill him. <laughs> okay. It's still a I mean, strange turn of phrase. It is a strange turn of phrase. You know, I mean, because, you know, I think of, uh, like, there's a lot of things that you say that are dead, right? Like, a um, you use it with electricity. You use it with yeah. Uh, oh, you uh, you've got a, a dead hand in cards. You've got your things are dead as a doornail. Like there, there's a lot of things that are dead, but dead to something sounds. I don't know any other phrases that are dead to anything, right? Yeah, it's a very yeah, it's like a strangely passive construction, right? So are we talking about Shakespeare then? Because it's it's like florid, uh, or you know one of our <laughs> Romantic poets. It could be. It could also, <clears throat> if you wanted to go further on like a gunslinging or even, you know, sword fighting tack, uh, you know, most people are right handed, right? So dead to rights. Um, you know, maybe you just, you, you have the upper hand. Um, you know, maybe you chop off their right arm, but I don't know, right? <laughs> okay, okay, sure, sure. Dead to rights. Huh. Yeah, it's the, it's the construction of the phrase I think that that bothered my father as well as us. It's it doesn't quite make any sense. Well, most English in the Old West didn't. Turns out they were bad at talking and worse at yeah. writing. I I think that I I like that you think of it always when you think of it as as, as the gunslinging, but I'm thinking I like swordplay. Okay. I like uh 
Yeah, it's almost like you've knocked the sword out of his hand sort of thing. Got him dead to rights. There's definitely like a, 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 an old West, you know, spaghetti westerny sort of dead to rights movie. Yeah. At some point. I'm going to have to remind me to IMDb that one. Okay. Which is okay. probably where all my associations come from. I'm taking Shakespeare. Got Shakespeare. And you've got uh, Old West. I got Old West. Okay, let's look it up. All right. I will uh, give you Grammarist. Okay. Dead to rights means having overwhelming evidence of someone's guilt. Having irrefutable proof that someone is responsible for something. Okay. The idiom dead to rights came into use before the 1850s in the U.S. Specifically, it has been traced to the criminal community in New York City. Mm. Dead to rights is an example of the use of the word dead to describe that something that is certain or unequivocal. Seen in phrases such as dead certain, dead broke, dead sure, dead serious, dead drunk. The latter half of the idiom to rights means in a proper manner. The idiom is usually rendered with the word have as in have someone dead to rights. Certainly in a proper manner is sort of the how you would... In a, in, a, in a legally correct way, I think, is what they're going for. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, the, the term dead is, uh, goes back to the... Um, used in this way, goes back to the UK in the 16th century. Really? That's um, what it says. Um, meaning certainly, uh, this this is this is a word detective, um, just like a, as in dead asleep or dead broke. Um, absolutely, without a doubt, and that they trace that back to 16th century England. Okay, gotcha. So dead or banged to rights. Hmm. So that's very Britishy. Banged to rights. Yeah. So you're right. It was. It's. It's pretty recent. Um, it was just New York and not uh, the West. Yeah, it seems to be. And you're definitely correct that it's like someone caught pretty red-handed, right? Yeah. That seems to be the the take. All right. Well, on that happy note. <laughs> There's a lot of death and gambling on our show. Yeah. It's all the good stuff. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. A lot of uh, sword play and gun fights. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you fans for listening. Uh, you can find us at Undebeatables on Twitter, facebook.com slash the Undebeatables, uh, or shout out at the Undebeatables.com. And on our page, you can find our merch. You can also help us out with a monthly subscription at patreon.com slash the Undebeatables. Colson, get us out of here, man. That's right. We're uh, we're trying to raise enough money so I can quit my job and give you full time crappy jingles. <laughs> we just you could get you could get you would have crappy jingles just coming out your ears. You just just keep uh, going on Patreon. All right. Seems like a crapshoot. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a basket case. <laughs> For our, for the architect Donnie Walsh and our once and always coach Bobby Sick Leonard. 
Hey guys, turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> Sweet twenties rendition there. I like it. <laughs> That's right. Twenties rendition. <laughs> oh dear. That's good stuff. <laughs> Man of a thousand voices. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's uh, all. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, uh, Russia or, um, yeah, Alabama. you're all triumph the dog. Yeah, exactly. You know, triumph the insult dog. And if uh, it doesn't matter what era you're from, you're the uh, wiry twentieth guy. <laughs> Those are my two voices, I guess. Well, that sort of um, you know vocal range is why we keep you around. <laughs> that's, that's Right. What's it's what makes this show special? It's like it's like uh uh the uh hey LeBron. <laughs> what was that what was the coach's name? Who went to Blatt. Princeton? Yeah. He wasn't Russian at all. <laughs> no, no, he was from like New Jersey or something. He's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> probably better to be like, Hey LeBron, why'd you guys do guys? <laughs> That's probably a better impression of him. Is that dude working? Is he just collecting I, his stimulus money at this point? It's probably right. Blatt, damn it. Yeah. Watch him be like an assistant coach on the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he has been uh, out since 2019. Last gig was Olympiacos. Hmm. Yeah, he's probably taking, uh, taking the pandemic to uh, recenter. Yeah, he needs to get back with that Israeli league. That's uh, where he had all the success. All the success was then, huh? They won some championships. Five-time Israeli Super League champ. Wow. Six-time Israeli Cup winner. Four-time Israeli Super League Coach of the Year. And, of course, the Russian Federation Order of Friendship Award. (laughs) Can I nominate you for that? How do you get nominated? <laughs> write a strongly worded letter. Yeah. Yeah, don't write a strongly worded letter to Putin. That's not going to turn out well for you or this show. <laughs> uh, you, we know, I mean, Putin doesn't listen, but we know he's got people. He's got a guy him. who listens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, As much so as I would like to meet Navalny, not that way. <laughs> not that way. I want to meet him in jail. <laughs> oh, well... Um, well then, we'll just take this exa- you know this moment to uh, nominate you then, since they're since they're listening. Perfect. I would like to nominate Harper for the friendship award. <laughs> uh, Russian friendship. <laughs> Russian friendship is like bear, big and warm, and sleeps in the summer. <laughs> Do they sleep in the winter, don't they? Yeah, I don't know. a little bit, a little bit. 